Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Conversations with your hosts, Reed and Frank. How's it going, Frank? Going pretty well. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, waiting for the warm weather to come back for spring. It got cold again around here in central Ohio. It always seems to correlate with my days off. (laughs) So it seems, yep. But we are going to jump right into the news, and similar to our last episode, we're going to start with uh, the Elon Musk buying Twitter story, because since we last recorded, there's been some changes and updates to what's going on with uh, Elon Musk wanting to buy Twitter. Um, Let's see, since we last recorded... Uh, Elon Musk has decided not to join the Twitter uh, board of directors. Um, I don't recall if this that particular story had already broke when we recorded or if it came out just after. I think that- it was pending, as I recall. He, I mean, the offer had been extended, um, and there was speculation that he wouldn't. Right. Yeah, and... Uh, some people think it, it was because the board put in a rule that would have prevented Elon Musk from owning any more than like 14.9% uh, of all the shares. So it seems like that has sort of changed his tactic on what he's trying trying to do with Twitter. And the most recent update is... Um, He has recently instead offered to buy 100% of Twitter uh, for about $43 billion, which was at the time uh, $54.20 a share uh, price value. And now, uh, per the New York Post uh, reporting, Although the article I'm going to link is actually to the Daily Wire, but they cite uh, the New York Post. And they say that uh, Elon Musk is planning to finance the offer um, with a complex deal that raises debt against the company. Uh, Well, both the company and possibly his own uh, stock, as well as a cash infusion uh, cash equity infusion from co-investors some reports say that Musk could put up 15 to 20 billion dollars of his own money uh, to take uh, Twitter private which is what he wants to do um, to help be able to make some changes to it and that 15 to $20 billion would be a substantial increase over his currently estimated value of $3.4 billion worth of Twitter that he already owns. Um, let's see. He has hired, uh, Elon Musk has hired Morgan Stanley to, uh, to raise $10 billion of debt against Twitter in the manner of a traditional leveraged buyout. And let's see, what else do I got? And the, I think this is the last bit I got here. 
the investors will finance uh, the hostile tender offer directly to Twitter, uh, Twitter shareholders, and um, the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, um, they define a tender offer as a uh, active solicitation by a company or third party to purchase a substantial percentage of a company's securities. So it seems like uh, Elon Musk has taken a different route to hopefully, I guess, acquire Twitter of, to make it his own and then presumably uh, open it up to more free speech and stuff like that as we've talked about in the last episode. And um, I haven't really gotten any ideas from anybody or any articles whether or not this is still going to be successful because one of the things that uh, has been reported on is Twitter is planning a what they're calling a poison pill option to prevent Elon Musk from buying Twitter. And essentially what that is, uh, the company is offering, I don't know if it's all shareholders or just board members, um, but something like that. They're offering them to buy shares of the stock at a lower price, which like dilutes the value of the stock and makes it and not so attractive of a deal for whoever's trying to buy the company. So it looks like Twitter's still trying to fight their potential takeover by Elon Musk, and it seems like he's still trying to figure out a way to, to a way to take over. And it seems like it's still a developing story. So maybe next episode we'll have another update on it. Oh, I bet we will. Yep. And, you know, this is your story. I didn't really do too much research into it or anything, but I did see a couple of things while I was perusing the Internet in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw that, mm, what's his name with Spotify? You know, the big... Oh, Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. um, I guess, is backing this. Mm -hmm. yep. He's put out some public statements that said he would support, he'd help buy, he'd buy a share or whatever and pledge... I guess sort of like pledge his uh, shares sure. to, to Elon or, or whatever. Um, so I think that's interesting. But then also, you know, I just bought a new car recently. Right. And I've been doing a lot of research on cars and, you know, various aspects of cars and things. And, and uh, I know it's also in Elon's wheelhouse to make a lot of promises and not always right follow through so yeah. i think it'll definitely be interesting i mean i know i'm team elon on this one so yeah. i'll be watching with some rapture but right i don't i don't know how it'll turn out i don't either and i it's definitely you know an interesting story to follow i think so and um uh it said in the article that um uh, oh, if I may, could yeah, I go ahead. butt in one other little mm -hmm. thing real quick? I've also seen, I meant to say this, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt you here, but 
I've also seen how Elon can change markets. You know, you want to talk about Dogecoin and uh -huh. how he's rallied people behind the coin and made the coin's value go up, mm -hmm. sometimes just temporarily. Right. Well, I should say pretty much just temporarily, <laughs> but um, he, he definitely is effective at changing and affecting yeah. markets. So right. it'll be interesting to watch. <clears throat> well, I've heard other uh, people, I think mostly uh, Matt Walsh, who comes to mind saying that you know people especially in like the entrepreneurial world and business world like to use the word disruptor somebody's disrupting the industry sure well elon musk in this case is an actual disruptor he's trying to get in there and change up how things have been done before and and hopefully improve them that's that's what we're all hoping for yeah well you know who else has been called a disruptor there's a comparison that gets made all the time between him and big old capital T. Oh, yeah, Trump. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll see. Uh, it says that Elon Musk is going to make this um, tendered offer uh, to Twitter officially within 10 days or so as we record this on the 19th. I don't remember if I said the date at the top of the show, but... I'm sure that we did. It's Tuesday the 19th of 2022. Yep, that's what what the day is. So, hopefully we'll have more news on Elon Twitter uh, coming soon. Yep. And with that, I guess, you know, one of the more interesting stories that I saw today as we were preparing for this is... Uh, I saw that there's supposedly some kind of IRS whistleblower stating that Biden could owe more than $127,000 in back taxes. Ooh. And I had to scratch my head and think, wait, did they mean to say Biden? I mean, it's always about Trump, Trump, Trump. It's always one way, uh -huh. right? Yeah. So I had to look into this and... Uh, Supposedly, he's done a bunch of speaking engagements and book deals and things between the years 2017 and 2019 in particular that they funneled all the money through S-Corps and they waived having to pay Medicare taxes mm. on this money. And uh, so I found that really interesting. I think it sounds right up their wheelhouse, you know, with the mm -hmm. Hunter Biden stuff, all this money from Ukraine, Russia, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we know that... I think the people that would listen to this channel that would be hearing us right now are probably aware of these issues, but still, it just hit me as sort of interesting. And, um, you know, things like that come on the back of some of these poor policy decisions where mm -hmm. he's, he's reversing a bunch of Trump-era decisions, and one of them is Title 42, dealing with how they deport or stop uh, you know, people from entering the country at the border. And I guess it just got rescinded. Title 42 is no longer in effect, I guess, is my understanding. Uh, I haven't heard that they have officially rescinded Title 42. What is brand new news as of like yesterday and today is that the federal mask mandate for public transportation has been struck down. Well, I saw that there are still some places requiring yeah. it, like Amtrak and others. But yeah, some some places. 
But no, I hadn't heard yet that they have officially gotten rid of Title 42. Well, from what I've seen, it's heavily under discussion, mm-hmm. at least. And um, it seems like everybody's upset, left, right, and center. I mean, just like you should be with tax avoidance, yeah. you know? I mean, that's, <laughs> there's a reason we pay taxes, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Well, I mean, well, this comes from the same same people who always say they got to pay their fair share. Fair share. Everybody's got to pay exactly their fair right, share. But these. they're the ones avoiding it. Exactly. Yeah. No surprise. Close the loopholes that I take advantage of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. But, I mean, according to a, a, a statistic I saw back in February, just under Title 42, 90,000 individuals were stopped at the border. Mm-hmm. Because of Title Forty Two, let, let let alone all the other myriad of reasons they might be able to stop somebody, but just Title Forty Two stopped ninety thousand individuals. So, I mean, if this were to be repealed, you're talking about another almost hundred k immigrants mm-hmm. coming across the border every month. So, well, I mean, that kind of goes on top of a few. Headlines I believe I saw just recently that said like there were twenty something uh, people on the terrorist watch list that have been caught at the border. Well, I absolutely believe it. I so, don't find I it mean, shocking. Yeah. So if we're gonna, you know, presumably if they get rid of Title Forty Two, that there will be more entries. Those twenty three terrorists could find their way in pretty easily and you know do what terrorists do well if you don't mind me giving a little bit more of an anecdote sure sort of thing here you know i just bought a gun a handgun my first handgun recently and you know i'm sitting there they make you fill out forms mm-hmm. but oh, yeah i've bought guns before this was the first time i ever had to do it solely on the computer all the forms were computer based i didn't have to sign anything no paperwork mm-hmm. physically got signed by me. None. It's all on the computer. And it's asking you questions like, are you a mental defect? Are you wanted by the FBI? Are you a fugitive from justice? Uh-huh. So, I mean, just imagine that. I mean, they're so hands-off about everything. Right. Uh, it's almost like going to the airport and you, there's a little kiosk. You don't even go through a scan anymore. And it just says, are you a terrorist? Oh, nope. Not, to, <laughs> not today. Nope. <laughs> not at the moment. No. I mean, <laughs> other people have called me that, but that's not how I identify. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's. I mean, it just seems so hands off. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I wouldn't want it the other way. I mean, I don't think an FBI agent ought to come here and, give me a physical evaluation to sell me a handgun but it seems like it ought to be a a little bit more aggressive than just saying a little more rigorous yeah than just saying no (laughs) i'm not a fugitive from justice (laughs) i swear yeah well that's um i'm not surprised that uh uh you know there's a good bit of um, bipartisanship on this Title 42 because there's also been a fair amount of reports of increased drug trafficking coming across the border. Oh yeah. Um, since it's been so open. 
And, you know, we've all heard, I feel like I say that, we all, but some people should know about how deadly, like, uh, fentanyl is that coming across the border. And, you know, just every little rule that makes it easier for, you know, drugs and illegal immigrants to come over is just going to end up hurting the citizens that are already here. Absolutely. I mean, you know, because the, the constituents yeah. of these representatives. So, I mean, right. Yeah, it comes back to bite them. I mean, even if you have drug loving hippie types mm-hmm. in your community, they all drop dead. Where's your where's your electoral base? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, the new kind of slogan, I shouldn't say new slogan. I've heard it before, certainly from conservatives is that. Every state is a border state, especially when it comes to the drug problem, because it doesn't just stop at the border. It spreads across the whole country and gets into everybody's communities, large and small, big cities, rural towns out in the middle of nowhere. Well, of course. I mean, and in a way, you know, it's going to seem weird what I'm about to say, but thank God. Thank God, because otherwise our system wouldn't work if we didn't have the freedom to travel. Mm-hmm. If we if we were so constricted that every state was like its own little country. Right. You know, I mean, you might not see as much of this easy flow of drugs and, and you know, negative activity and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But. <clears throat> yeah, but it would definitely hamper people's liberties. Yeah. When something something really needs to be done. I mean, if right. Title Forty Two was effective, it's one of those things like uh, the XL pipeline. I mean, mm-hmm. what are we really doing? We're just trying to make people on the current Twitter happy, right? <laughs> at the detriment of the rest of the country. Cause right. Twitter's not a Twitter's not the fifty first state. You know? <laughs> well, and you know. So based on the, the the stat that you provided from your article, the ninety thousand people that were stopped in February, title, just yeah, in February, February yeah. I mean, I guess you you could question whether or not it's been effective at preventing the spread of COVID, which I I would doubt that. But as a mechanism of controlling the flow of people into our country through the border, I mean, if you're stopping ninety thousand people. You know, sure, you might not know how many got away, but that's a good bit of, of people that you're, you know, preventing from coming in. So I would I'd say it has been effective in at least that that manner. Well, yeah, I think to piggyback on that, I mean, it's sort of scary to think what the real number, the real numbers are, right. you know, because when they sit there and quote and say, there's only been X number of crossings. I mean, you know that's not true. Mm-hmm. There's always the gotaways. But I mean, this, I feel like quoting this statistic, how many were stopped under Title 42, is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Because this is what's on the books of people who were actually prevented from coming in the country. Right. But when they talk about how many people have come in in the dead of night, undercover, when nobody's watching or whatever. Those could only ever be estimates, and of course, the mm-hmm. government's figures are going to be as low and as pretty as they can paint them. Right. 
Yep. Uh, so hopefully we'll see something good come out of this Title 42 since, you know, like I mentioned, it seems like there's a fair amount of bipartisan agreement on it. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason it's on the books. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I guess with that, we'll move to my next uh, topic that I have. Um, it's not really a topic I got directly from any uh, news article. Um, I was watching um, the Matt Walsh show and the Ben Shapiro show from yesterday's episode on April 18th. And then following uh, watching those two episodes, I saw a clip I've already seen of a, a recent speech that Ben Shapiro gave at um, a college in North Carolina. I can't remember which one it was right off the top of my head. Um, but I saw another clip from it uh, again recently. And the clip, and I will sh- uh, provide the link in the show notes to this and the other clips that I'm actually going to play. Um, but a student uh, told Ben Shapiro at his speech that right-wing ideology is going to eat itself. And after watching that clip again, it made me think of uh, something I know I have at least uh, told one person sort of jokingly is that uh, you know, leftists will eventually go extinct. Now, maybe their ideology won't because it seems like it always rebrands and reshapes itself into something new and you know, lures in new people. Well, yeah, there's an idiot born every minute. Right. But what kind of makes me you know, still think that they'll make themselves go extinct is... Um, stuff that's based on these clips I'm going to play. It's Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh kind of responding to a tweet from a child psychiatrist saying that puberty blockers are uh, not permanent and are reversible. And um, I'll go ahead and play those clips and then uh, Frank has not heard these, so we'll get his reaction, and then we'll kind of I'll expand on what what I've been thinking about with it afterwards. Yes, and I can attest as usual. There's no funny business, no malarkey here. I've not heard these clips. I'm completely in the dark. Here's a uh, here's this is something that was put on the on the trans forum on Reddit. And um, it was posted by a parent. This was, by the way, posted about four years ago. And it sat there online and nobody really noticed it. And over the weekend, um, someone on Twitter found this on Reddit and posted a screenshot. And now if you go to Reddit to read the original post, it's been taken down. So the moderators over at the trans forum on Reddit um, have taken it down because they don't want you to see this. But this was from a parent who was soliciting help And this is what it says. I'll read it to you. I have no clue what to do. Daughter can't get the bottom surgery and is becoming suicidal. Uh, Then it says, I've always been in support of my transgender daughter. When she was still a boy and started expressing a want to be a girl, I did everything right. Therapists and puberty blockers, everything. 
Well, we could just pause there and say uh, that is not doing everything right. That actually is you every step of the way doing everything wrong and hurting your child. So that's not everything right. It's, it's you, you, based on this quick summation, you did literally nothing right. Okay, you, you faced a fork in the road and um, one after another, and you went in the wrong direction every single time. Um, and it continues. Now she's 20 and everything is falling apart. We had to hold off on the body surgery because of cost, but now finally had enough and went and got several consults. All have said the same thing. The puberty blockers have left her with a micro penis. She has to get part of her vagina made with her colon. Well, one of her friends had that surgery, and even years later, it smells fairly colon-like. So this is what they're doing with, uh, to young people. Um, they're using parts of their internal organs to make fake vaginas on, on young men. Obviously, my daughter is now distraught. She's in counseling, but is becoming worse and worse in her mental state, and I am frantic. On top of this, she has never had any sexual function, no urges, no erections. Even when she tried masturbation to see if she could stimulate herself, nothing. The doctors say this may not uh, change even after the surgery. Her dating life is dismal as well. We knew it would be hard, but it's impossible. The one man who was with her for a while soon just became frustrated by her lack of sexual anything and broke it off. I don't know what to do. A friend suggested I post here for advice. Please help me help my child. Well, there's a horrifying piece by a guy named Scott Nugent. And when I say a guy, I mean a transgender man. Okay, so a, a she who got a bunch of surgeries and hormone treatments to look like a he by Scott Nugent in Quillette. And here is what this person says. Quote, at a recent gathering, a friend's daughter told us, I'm probably trans because I don't like female puberty. This instantly got my attention because I have known this child for years. I never saw any indication of her being trans. I innocently asked, why she would say that? Was it a joke, perhaps? She replied, quote, I don't like my boobs growing, and Reddit says I'm probably trans. That night, I tracked down these Reddit exchanges, and my jaw dropped when I saw how many people in organizations were heavily pushing the possibility of her being trans. But perhaps I shouldn't have been surprised, given the way such attitudes have gone mainstream. This includes the pediatrician mom whose recent opinion piece for the New York Times was titled, quote, What I Learned as the Parents of a Transgender Child. For kids Googling this subject, the overall effect is the equivalent of one big glitter bomb going off on their screen. I write all of this as a 47-year-old transgender man who transitioned five years ago. I'm also a parent to three teenagers. Though I admire the good intentions of parents who seek to support their children, I have serious concerns about reckless acquiescence to a child's internet-mediated self-diagnosis. Many older transgender folks share these concerns too. He says transgenderism, and I say he, she. She says transgenderism isn't a vague feeling or a distaste for stereotypical roles. It's a serious internal condition that was, causes you to want to become a member of the opposite sex. Medical transition, such as the kind I went through, can enhance an illusion that helps some gender dysphoric individuals navigate the world with more comfort. It did for me. It was the right path for me, but I wasn't born in the wrong body. I was born female, but I didn't like it. So I changed my appearance at significant monetary, psychological, and physical costs with plastic surgery and hormones. My sex never changed, though. Only my appearance changed. Anyone going through this is in store for a brutal process. Yet we now have thousands of naive parents walking their children into gender treatment centers, often based on internet-peddled narratives that present the transition experience through a gauzy rainbow lens. 
During my own transition, this person says, I had seven surgeries. I had a massive pulmonary embolism, a helicopter life flight ride, an emergency ambulance ride, a stress-induced heart attack, sepsis, a 17-month recurring infection due to using the wrong skin during a failed phalloplasty, which is the creation of a fake penis that does not work, 16 rounds of antibiotics, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, the loss of all my hair, only partially successful arm reconstructive surgery, permanent lug and heart damage, a cut bladder, insomnia-induced hallucinations, oh, and frequent loss of consciousness due to pain from the hair on the inside of my urethra. All this led to a form of PTSD that made me a prisoner in my apartment for a year. Between me and my insurance company, medical expenses exceeded $900,000. Wow, and I'm supposed to react to that, huh? Yep. Well, I don't know what to say, honestly, except obviously some thoughts do occur. Yeah. So first of all, I've heard the story before about these people who undergo these surgeries, supposedly sexual surgeries. This is all sex-based. I think it's one of the more grotesque aspects of all this is Mm -hmm. that it's all based on sexual preference and what gets you off and whatever you know whether it's girls or guys or you want to be one or whatever but you do the surgery and there's no sexual gratification Mm -hmm. to be had because you're dealing with fake sex organs yeah so there's no pleasure there's Mm -hmm. no there's no way to derive pleasure because you've absolutely mutilated your original organs that could feel Right. The pleasure. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty horrifying stuff. I mean, you know, you, you heard some of those descriptions. You're making a, a, a fake vagina out of a colon, and you've got to go around the rest of your life, and it smells like a colon? That's, and then you got hairs growing on the inside of your urethra and you're passing out from the pain and not to mention all the other stuff that in those both both those clips that were mentioned it's life-changing undoable and horrific it's it's now that in the clip with ben shapiro that the person he was quoting or reading the article from they said that was the right choice for them i don't know how they come to that conclusion after experiencing everything well, because we just they're heard. ideologically warped yep. and they they worship everything that is not god right you know that's that's my belief right but you know if i could put something sort of i mean after the terminology and things we've just heard i don't see how this could be obtuse but it almost makes you feel obtuse if i were to say i really hate my face i hate my head i hate it all i'd really like mm-hmm. to have an elephant's head mm-hmm If I went into a doctor and said this, you know, I'd really like to have a big trunk and big ears, and I'd really like to have an elephant's head on my body, they'd laugh me out of the room. But if I say, I want you to take my manhood, and I want you to put it through a meat grinder, and I want you to somehow make me a woman, they say, Oh, hooray, congratulations. Just Let me charge you. You just sign here. Yep. It'll only cost you $900,000. And like that person said, you might have negative reaction. It's like listening to one of those commercials. Uh-huh. Having all the little fine print. Subject to 
not not subject in Connecticut and blah blah blah. And if you're in New Hampshire, New Hampshire residents do not apply. Blah right. blah blah. Yeah, all that. <clears throat> yep. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and somebody out there right now. I mean, we don't have the largest audience in the world, but you can just easily imagine that somebody, because I said I'd like to have an elephant's head, to make that comparison just outrages somebody. Mm -hmm. But actually, I find it to be a pretty good analogy. Right. What's wrong with me having a dog's head or a... Or an elephant's head or something ridiculous. <laughs> Why can't I go be a rhinoceros? Right. Well, it's kind of funny that you say that. I mean, Matt Walsh kind of jokingly wrote a kid's book called Johnny the Walrus, which is about this kid who wants to be a walrus, and his mom gets on the Internet and believes a bunch of stuff and tries to go turn her kid into a walrus. walrus. But it, he mostly wrote that book to try to you know, point out how absurd all of this is. Well, in a way, you would say that it's not a kid's book. It's almost like, uh, what would you call it? You'd say it's um, sort of like a spoof yeah. on these new kids' books mm-hmm. that are out there. Right. It's more of a, a logic exercise, right. an exercise in logic. But, um, I mean, because it's almost like that person said, you know, who originally made that post in the Matt Walsh part of the quote she said i've done everything right by my child well no because Mm -hmm. you didn't have a walrus yeah exactly so whatever process you undergo to make your kid a walrus i mean you might as well have just aborted the damn thing well that's you're kind of beating me to the punch on trying to bring it back around to what all comes back to morality in my opinion, and that's where I'm going with it, is sure. we know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, any any real, true mother, okay, and I should, I don't know. Once again, I'm probably pissing a lot of people off, but any real, true mother knows, you know, what's best for their child. It's to bring it to life, mm-hmm. to, to raise it, to teach it mm-hmm. moral truths. Right, to rear them. Yes, not to coddle and, and, you know, allow them to believe that they live in heaven when they're on earth. And that's that's all a bunch of bunk. So that's almost a great example. I mean, I love I love the Matt Walsh example of, you know, why you're not a walrus or right. whatever that book's titled. But it's great. I mean, any parent that thinks they could take their child mm-hmm. that they successfully brought to term, they had a little baby boy, they... How wonderful, how great. Thank God. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's turn it into a walrus? <laughs> I mean, it's the craziest thing. Well, I mean, while we're kind of making comparisons to stuff like that, I mean, when they're talking about how these puberty blockers are, you know, reversible and not permanent, there's no way that could be true. Because if, if you gave me some kind of pill to stop my legs from growing, There, you're not going to be able to undo that. I can't imagine how on earth, if you've genetic, basically genetically stopped the growth of my legs, you're just going to be able to tell me to stop taking that pill and they're going to start growing again. If they do grow, it ain't going to be normal. No way. No way. Well, and, and 
you know, it's, I'm glad you put it that way, you know, sort of gave that example because you think of medical breakthroughs mm -hmm. and it'd be like, if we could just cure something with a pill or whatever, I mean, think of all the midgets. Mm -hmm. yeah. We could just give a pill and they're normal people. Yeah. Think of how many midgets would like to just be yep. normal people, be normal heights, have mm -hmm. normal leg length, normal whatever. Yep. But instead of that, we're talking about taking children, you know, at a certain age and stunting their growth. In a way, mm -hmm. we're talking about making them midgets yep. instead. Yep. I mean, and once again, you know, I'm no doctor. I'm no expert. Neither am I. But that is essentially what's happening. I mean, we heard in that clip, even though I didn't really enjoy listening to it, but the child, the male child, as I understood, had been so stunted in his growth that he only had a little micro penis they couldn't turn it into a vagina they couldn't just take the the penile skin mm -hmm. there wasn't enough of it yeah so we're literally talking about stunting the growth mm -hmm. now if you want to talk about a, a a young male look at what else you've stunted if you stunted his penile growth You've also, like you said, you've stunted his bone growth, mm -hmm. his height, his mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Yep. And you think there aren't going to be repercussions for that when he was supposed to, his penis was supposed to grow, his legs were supposed to grow, he was supposed to be taller. Mm -hmm. You don't think down the line, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, there won't be negative repercussions for for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's undoubtedly there there would have to be, but but it's a marvel of modern science that <laughs> we can do it. Yep, but is it really? They think it is. It's like and we've been talking about these technologies on these cars. They think they're making them all better. They're not. I'm not sure there's been any modern breakthroughs in the last hundred years. Right, and to. Bringing back around to, you know, my idea that you know, leftists will make themselves go extinct is, you know, they, they're murdering their own babies, and if the babies are lucky enough to be born, they're sexually perverting their minds and their bodies to the point where they can't even have kids. So they're not even allowing their own children to be able to have children. So eventually, the only people left that they're going to be able to warp into their ideology are, you know, maybe those conservative people who don't teach their kids, right? Or those who just, you know, don't get it. Because there's always, like you said, there's always going to be a fool. There's always going to be an idiot. Um, but I think, you know, there might be like a brief period where you know leftism basically is non-existent until it comes back around in its new form because there's not going to be anybody left to, to pass their ideology on to hopefully when i really think i mean as we sit here two nobodies in the middle of ohio to mm -hmm. a podcast that doesn't have a million listeners you know yeah i think this will become apparent to yeah everybody i mean well, yeah, I think so because you're we're seeing this, you know, sort of. Uh, 
I want to say resurgence because I don't know if it's a resurgence, but this growing movement of parents getting involved with their schooling and stuff like that, that I think it was sort of creating the perfect storm that this leftism is more more uh, openly exposed and you know there's going to be more and more people that are just not going to follow along with it hopefully I, again well plus and the way i'd put it too is a lot of these molly coddled kids mm-hmm. <clears throat> i mean whether or not they wake up to it i don't i don't know right. but really the point that i want to make is about these parents that that molly coddle Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't get that word out today. <laughs> Molly Coddle. There we go. Um, you know, they say they do it out of love and tolerance and mm-hmm. understanding. Compassion. Compassion. They're yeah. so f- they're so full. I was going to say a different F word, but they're so <laughs> full of compassion. <clears throat> when in reality, a little bit of tough love... Mm-hmm. Goes a long way. And guess what? Tough love is still love. And I think yeah. it's the best love because what goes up must come down. If you fall down, you skin your knee. This is life. Yeah. That's what you ought to teach your child. You don't say, oh, honey, you fall down. I'll make it all better. No. You say, it's okay. Slap a Band-Aid on mm-hmm. a little Neosporin. You'll heal. Your body will heal. And thank God for that. Right. Yeah, if little Johnny falls down, and you tell him, oh, poor little Johnny, you hurt yourself. I'm just going to carry you for the rest of your life. The kid's going to forget how to learn how to walk. Forget to walk, you know? Exactly, and if your child comes home and says, I want to be a walrus, man, that's a good example, you know? I want an <laughs> elephant's head. I, wa- I want, uh-huh. instead of any genitalia, I'd like to have a Game Boy down there. <laughs> so I can just play with myself all day. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I mean, that's just asinine. It's the definition. It's right. It's asinine. Yep. And you're playing with bigger things than mm-hmm. just being nice to your children. But that's that's all I got I, for for that little bit of a segment. I think, uh, you know, the leftist ideology is, it certainly isn't gasping its last breath by any means, but I think it, think it's been damaged a good bit. And hopefully, we'll see a you know good resurgence of conservatism and godliness in our future. We'll really just put the cherry on it. Time will bear it out yep. because, as it always does, we know these ide- ideologies are incorrect. We know that what these these people have done to their bodies will bear itself out mm-hmm. in the body. It, yep. it will happen. And so, yeah, hopefully, you know, um, once again, this is something certain people might misconstrue, but hopefully as die, you know, those bodies, let's mm-hmm. say, hopefully dies the ideology too. Right. I, I would hope so. I mean, because it, it ought to just be one of those things that's chalked up to a mistake yep. and let's all move on from it. Let's forget that ever happened. Mm-hmm. Chapter in the history book. Yep. So... <clears throat> Speaking of history, <laughs> not a very good transition. I'm just it trying works. to make one. It works. There might be history in November. Yeah. 
There's history so, every day. Yeah, there's <laughs> history every day. So, uh, you know, we've talked pretty much all year now about how November should be a pretty big shakeup. A bloodbath. A bloodbath, <laughs> we hope. We hope. But I came across an article by Politico <laughs> that makes me think twice. Maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't be a bloodbath. So they put out an article titled Five Things About November 2022 Elections That Might Make You Think Twice. Okay. Let's you know, see. They start out by saying that the Republicans are basically shoo-in, supposedly, whatever, you know. That's, that's the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. But they point out five little things that might might not make it so easy. So we read down the list, and I think their first point's their best one. Primary problems. Hmm. They point out how there are some Republican people running in the primaries who, you know, don't have great things attached to their names. Maybe have scandal, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy, Eric... Graytons out of Mississippi. Okay. You know him? Nope, haven't heard his name. Well, he got charged with domestic violence and child abuse, I think like a year or two ago. Mm. And I think it's, I kind of think it's all been resolved, but it'll probably get thrown around. You know how it's like going into the ring, all that stuff. They fight, they take the gloves off, you know. (laughs) But apparently there's another guy in Georgia, Herschel Walker. Oh, yep. I've heard of him. Oh, yeah. And he's been accused of sort of the same type of stuff. Huh. I did not hear that. Well, but I think this article, even though it's by Politico, I think it's fairly well balanced. I mean, really, in a, in a sense, it's almost like a puff piece. I don't know why we're covering it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they also do point out that there are a couple of people. There's a John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. And a Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin, they're on the liberal side, but they're like way liberal. Uh huh. So they're talking about how you know those could kind of be some upsets that make it not just go one way or the other. There's some little, maybe little speed bumps that will hit. Right. So then the next thing that they go into is also interesting. We've also covered on the channel what they called blurred lines, quote-unquote. And that's the redistricting. They've Mm -hmm. redrawn all these maps, and a lot of them are either not done or they're being litigated or Mm -hmm. they're going to be decided by the courts, which we covered on this channel. Yep, I actually heard just within the past week, I believe, that for the fourth time, the Ohio Supreme Court has struck down the maps for... Uh, our redistricting here. Yeah. So, that's something that could cause a bump. Is there's all these... I mean, we covered it. I would advise... I wish we knew so I could, you know, plug it. But we've covered before redistricting. I believe redistricting is in the title. So, if you go through our shows and look at the titles, uh, I'm pretty sure I wrote redistricting in there because I usually try to title our shows based on what we talk about. Yeah, and that rings a bell to me, too. I'm pretty sure redistricting was 
well, I know it's something we've covered. So, yes. yeah. yeah. I would advise you go back and take a look at that because we have covered this in depth. Well, I'm, you know, I, excuse me, but I tried my best to cover that in depth on that particular episode. So we're still waiting for some of those court cases to be decided and for the final result, the final maps to be printed, let's say. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing they move on to is some Joe Biden stuff because, you know, he sucks. Yep. And everybody's up in arms about inflation mm-hmm. and the way he's reacting to it, calling it Putin's price hike oh, and yeah, stuff like that. that. I mean, the American people just aren't buying it. No. And even Politico here in this article acknowledges that, that nobody's buying it. Nobody's happy with the administration. Nobody's just eating out of their hand. You mm. know, nobody. So... <clears throat> they predict that maybe inflation will fall on its own, which may help, and maybe Biden may pull a rabbit out of his hat, and that might help. But as the article reads today, uh, it doesn't seem that great to Biden. you know. So that leads them into their fourth point, economic recession. <laughs> they think that may be around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they? So was this yeah. article about how yep. it's supposed to affect Republicans winning or just affect the midterms in general? Okay, so they do generalize the title of the article a little bit more. Okay. So it's just like five things that could upset the November races. Oh, okay, okay. Something gotcha. like that. But they start, if you started out by reading it, it's like Republicans are supposed to be a shoe in, Uh but, and then they list these five things. So, I mean, everybody can go check this out for themselves. The article will be provided and it, but it's Politico. Right. Well, you know where they're based. Yeah. I only ask because so far, a few of those things don't really sound like uh, issues that would affect Republicans, especially that last one, the the inflation. Well, honestly, I mean, you're kind of cut into the chase. That's how I was going to wrap the whole okay. thing up. But <laughs> the only thing is the first one, is how some of these characters uh-huh. in their primaries or whatever are you know accused of very bad things. Right. Okay. But what? who's ever heard of a Republican accused of something bad winning the <laughs> ticket? Oh, who's uh, ever heard of that? Well, uh, I don't know. Uh hmm. Does not sound familiar yeah, to me. I know, right? Can't, well, let can't me, come up with any name. Yeah, who's ever heard of a politician <laughs> accused of something bad winning? <clears throat> so if that's the best they got, uh-huh. is somebody hit his wife one time, or a couple? I don't know. I don't know the story. I right. shouldn't. You know, I'm not trying to be too callous about it. I don't know the details. But if that's all they got, is some woman said, right? <laughs> <laughs> Then I don't think that the calculus is going to change on this race too much. And that's how I was going to conclude it. And I haven't even gotten to my fifth point. The fifth point is abortion politics. Mm. Supposedly in June or July, Mm -hmm. which is coming up just around the corner now, Roe v. Wade is supposed to be revisited on a national scale. Mm -hmm. And you know they just got their new nominee Mm. or whatever. 
what's her name? Jackson? Kentanji Brown Jackson. Well, at least I'm not making that up. It almost sounds stereotypical. Yeah, I But know. I, I'm glad I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whoops. Uh, but anyway, so abortion is supposed to be revisited. Mm-hmm. And they think, they literally put in the article that they don't know how that'll go. But it may shake things up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I thought that was interesting. I thought it might just be a neat little update because, you know, we've been rooting for a lot of these things all Mm -hmm. year now. People can go back and check. We often do sort of one of these review episodes. So Mm -hmm. I thought it kind of fit in well. And uh, I know some big things are coming down the pike for November. Yep. Yep, definitely. Uh, I actually just recently watched um, the most recent GOP uh, Senate debate for Ohio because our current, uh, one of our current senators, Rob Portman, is not running for re-election. So I thought I'd watch the recent debate just to kind of see who's running for our senator and there's some decent candidates. Um, there's a couple of them I didn't particularly care for, but there's there's a few I thought were pretty good. Um, is Sherrod Brown running again? Uh, I don't think he has to run. He's still in office for oh, another couple of years. Oh. I don't think his seat's up yet. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, yep, I think it'll be a interesting midterm election Coming up, uh, hopefully we're going to get some more Senate seats. Hopefully we'll get more House seats. I don't know what kind of governorships we got going on out there right now, but I don't think we'll lose too many governors. Well, just as a you know, re- sort of recap point mm-hmm. on that is um, this article by Politico, they put the House as probably... Republican, mm-hmm. and they put the Senate as leans Republican. So, mm. in my opinion, that's us sweeping the whole board right there, right? Because you know, Politico wouldn't just want to admit we're going to win, right? Well, I know, um, I don't know who's running against Herschel Walker in Georgia, but I believe he is running to take that. Uh, what's his name? Warnock. Uh, the uh, he's the black preacher that just won that seat temporarily. Um, you know, back in 2020. So I think he's running to replace him. And from what I gather, he's actually that Warnock's not very popular, and uh, Herschel Walker has a pretty good shot. But like I said, I don't know who's the other the Democrat might be that's running against him. Well, no, you're exactly right. Because remember, it was supposed to be that Leffler. Lori Loeffler or whatever. Oh, yeah, like Loeffler, Loeffler, something like that. Uh Uh-huh. And he just won. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into anything too. Yeah. Too, uh, how do you put it? You know, not kosher. The election stuff. He only won because they cooked the books. Yeah. So hopefully uh, he'll be gone and we'll get some some good guys in there, break that, that tie in the Senate. Well, something's, the Senate's not supposed to operate on a tie, so something's got to break that. Right. 
Well, I mean, just you know, not not being a 50-50 split. Well, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. The Senate was not set up. I mean, they put in a rule in case of that, mm-hmm. but it was not designed to be a 50-50 Senate. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's definitely uh, going to be an interesting race, I think. I'm kind of excited for it. It's going to be an interesting year. I'm ready for yeah. the weather to change, yep. for things to get better. You know, it seems like things are okay. I mean, even under Biden. Yeah, I'm... The economy's not great. There are bad right. things. Th- this war with Ukraine is mm-hmm. a mess, but every time I turn on media and everything, I hear things that are encouraging. And Right. Well, I think there's definitely a lot of stuff for conservatives to be hopeful about. It seems like we got pretty good wins that are back for the election. And there seems to be you know, some changes in a lot of these major institutions like I've previously mentioned before like uh, the Daily Wire they're getting into entertainment and their books and stuff like that to take on the woke corporations that are in these spaces and then you have like Elon Musk trying to take over Twitter to make it a better place so yeah I think I think there's definitely a lot of things to be hopeful for to look forward to and a lot of positivity seems to be coming conservatives way over the next few years. But like you like you said, despite what it might seem like, the terrible economy, you know, the Russia-Ukraine war, you know, stuff like that going on. Yeah, the incompetence of the incompetence in chief. Yep. <laughs> yep. The birds don't even like them. Nope. Because they're pooping on them. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a good year. And hopefully a good couple of years, really. Well, sometimes when you hit rock bottom, yep. there's nowhere to go but up. That's right. So, And I think with that, listeners, we hope you have enjoyed this show. I think it's been a pretty good conversation that we've had. And you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and many other popular podcast platforms. As well as, you can check our episodes out on YouTube. And be sure to go check out our other show, the Wiki Wacky Radio Show. We just released a new episode recently. That's pretty good. We hope you enjoy that. And I think that's all I've got. Frank, you got any last words for the listeners? Well, yeah, I'd tell them that they could also email us. They could tell us, you know... Anything about your day, yeah. whether you liked this, you didn't like this. I mean, I'm no therapist, but if you want to write me a love letter, I'd enjoy reading it, and it might get put on the air. That's right. So provide us your feedback, whatever it might be, wherever you want to leave it. Comments on YouTube, comments on our website at contemporaryconservative.net, or reviews on the podcast platforms. We hope to hear from you soon, listeners. And with that, have a great day. And as always, thanks for listening.